Welcome. This is a human interest podcast made up of stories about people who are traveling about by train or bus. The stories, 15 or 20 minutes long, are based on actual experiences that have occurred across the United States. Welcome to Rails and Trails. I spent the night in the Latham area of Albany. My hotel was actually an Airbnb which I discovered on check-in was actually a hotel. It's surprising how these things work out, like some kind of trick room that you pass through only to arrive back at the entrance. Several people have encouraged me to utilize Airbnbs in my travels, which I decided to give a try on this particular trip. These years, it's a bit out of my lane to overnight in a communal environment. Though hostels are not a completely new experience, I was going by car to Meredith, New Hampshire this July morning, a beautiful drive out of upstate New York and across Vermont before getting to the Granite State. It was a perfect morning, and the redolent aroma of my java lingered in the car, even while driving with the window down. With intention, I savored the fresh air and sunshine at the beginning of a roughly four-hour drive. Well, it should be a four-hour drive. But it was Saturday, and my route was chock full of antique sales and flea markets. Once I was clear of Troy and crossed the Hudson River, the signs started appearing in numbers. Like a Pavlov training session, I was instantly swerving onto the roadside, willing ample parking space. Now let me make a point about roadside sales in New England. There is a magnetic quality that compels you to stop for fear of what you could miss. They broadcast a visual promise of rare and valuable finds, just waiting to be disinterred. It will most likely be hidden in a dusty wooden box in a corner of a tool shed, or perhaps up a steep staircase in a loft of sorts, with inadequate light or ventilation. Reflexively, I pulled into a half dozen of these sales before it occurred to me that I was on pace to arrive in Meredith sometime midweek. I did have a schedule to keep as there is only one southbound Concord Lines coach departing Meredith per day. I needed to be on that bus in order to make it back down to Boston that evening, in order to make the Lakeshore Limited out of South Station Sunday morning. A timely arrival was put at particular risk by Garrett. Garrett was hosting the last sale that I visited, and but for the intervention of St. Getaway, the patron saint of narrow escapes, I might still be in Vermont. Garrett is best described as slender, about six foot two with a very slender build. His frame was slender. His legs and arms were slender. His long fingers were slender as he rolled them across the folding table set up as a point of sale for the event. Garrett had a slender nose that rode above a slender mustache on his slender visage. His lips were also slender and in his pocket he carried the slenderest of mechanical pencils, which he used, for my edification, to diagram the layout of his sale. Tools and yard items alongside the garage, books on the sun porch, household items on the center tables in the garage, collectible items under the canopy over the drive, and so forth. He loved to talk. I see you're from New York. Are you just passing through the area? Well, I am just passing through, but I'm not from New York, I replied. Oh, quizzed Garrett, his inflection drawn up like one of those foil lids on a can of cocktail nuts. I noticed your tags are New York. 
Where are you from then? I travel mostly out of Chicago, I said. Today I'm going up to Meredith. And so we continued his 20 questions game of curiosity, his eyes at work as he waited for each response. I brought this on myself, I thought, for I've observed persons wearing earbuds as they walk up to a garage sale, which I suspect has everything to do with not becoming the hostage of a well-intentioned homeowner. I got myself in a position to leave without ever making it down the drive to the garage or the tool shed. As another party sauntered up, drawing Garrett's attention, I did an about-face and moved purposefully back to the car. Back on the roadway, I vehiculated past quaint emporiums, fruit stands, and charming lodges. With a glance over my shoulder, I pledged that they would see me another time when not restrained by such a suffocating schedule. Most of the route from west to east is on two-lane highways, state highways primarily, some county roads. Just a short part of the route is four-lane. I powered along through curves and elevation changes, drinking in the vistas and views, as well as the picturesque New England homes. It was an idyllic diversion from interstate travel, vaulting me back to the travel masterpiece Blue Highways by William Least Heat Moon. I arrived in Meredith a little past 1 p.m. After topping off the car I was driving, I took it to the address of the owner, who wouldn't be home that day. Leaving the keys in a predetermined location, I fixed my backpack to my roller bag and set out on the couple-mile walk across town to the Circle K bus station. Upon walking five or six blocks, I noticed human activity another block or so ahead. Keeping with the theme of the day, it was a yard sale, right there, just off the sidewalk that I was using. Well, I didn't want to come across as impolite, so I stopped and browsed through the offerings. There were mostly children's items, clothes and toys, a few dishes, and a set of wheels for a Camaro. I did buy a couple of books, which I stuffed into my already crammed roller bag. I was getting ready to resume my walk when a kid on a bicycle stopped directly in front of me. He and a friend had been riding in circles in the area in front of the house. Are you going to the airport, he inquired. Before I got out an answer, he continued, because I don't think we have one. Oh, uh, I'm not flying anyway. I'm catching the bus in a couple hours. He looked at me for a moment. Well, your suitcase looks like you're taking an airplane. And with that, he pedaled up the sidewalk, wheelied over an uneven place in the concrete, and I was free to continue my journey on foot. My walk led me to Main Street, and the makeup of structures transitioned to inns, churches, the library, and several shops. The center of the community is the hub and is comprised of numerous merchants and outdoor cafes. Activity was brisk, and there was a chorus of the proprietary sound of Harleys coming from all directions. Main Street curves to the north before meeting Daniel Webster Highway, where the spectacular azure beauty of Meredith Bay comes into full view. It was breezy and sunny, and the sharp contrast of the whiteness of the watercraft against the blueness of the bay was arresting. I crossed the highway and up the hill to the Circle K, where I spent the remainder of my time before the bus to Boston arrived. Concord Lines is an impressive bus line. The buses and the stations are clean and in tip-top condition. This coach appeared to be new, and I rode alone until the first stop in Tilton. We picked up a few passengers there and continued on to Concord, where we added a number of riders. Using buses as I do throughout the country, 
It strikes me the contrast in service and customer experience in particular regions. And I have to say that this company is at the top of the list. We arrived at South Station in Boston about 6.30 p.m., and I got an Uber to the Airbnb in Winthrop. It was an older house, three stories, a half block from the beach. Mine was a small room with a full-size bed and a desk and a shared bath. It was on the third floor. It was clean and well-managed, and I was tired. I was asleep before 9 o'clock. The next morning, I looked in the kitchen area for coffee, but only found tea. I decided to go out for some joe and located a place called Honeydew Donuts just a few blocks away. I ordered two large cups of coffee and one donut, which I took to the beach. I found a rock suitable for sitting and drank my coffee, gazing out across the Gulf of Maine for about an hour. The shoreline here is rocky, fragments of the ages, all washed smooth from time and tides. According to the National Park Service, Boston Harbor is situated on a bed of rock sediment that dates back 250 million years. Back at the house, I was greeted by a cat. I followed him into a living room area where a young woman from Montreal was reclining on a sofa with another cat. We exchanged greetings. She shared that the cats do not have a name, or rather, they have a thousand names. The tradition is for every guest to give them a name according to his or her choosing. She had named one of them Claire and was struggling to name the second. I named them Schenectady and Pearl, spelled P-U-R-R-L. My train, the Lakeshore Limited, was departing about 1 p.m. I scheduled an Uber for 10.45. The driver arrived on time, and being Sunday morning, we made it to South Station in just 15 minutes or so. With a couple of hours to spare, I turned my bags over to a red hat and seized the opportunity to go out and enjoy the beautiful morning. Dewey Square is directly across from South Station, and after picking up some coffee, I ambled over to the park. I had read about the latest mural, titled Breathe Life Together, and was excited to get to see it. The murals on Dewey Square rotate, and this one, created by the artist Pro Black, features a young girl crouched in front of a box, a boombox, and wearing white tennies. The model happens to be the artist's three-year-old daughter. I love the title, I love the work, and I love what it represents. And at 70 feet high, it leaves an impression. I took up an Adirondack chair, a plenitude of which are situated in the green space of the park, and kicked back with my coffee to breathe an hour of life with the Bostonians kind enough to share their space. About 12.15, I went back to the station and located my red hat. We boarded after 15 minutes. Soon we were pulling out of South Station on our way to Back Bay and beyond. Nobody was in the adjacent seat until we got to Springfield in Western Mass. There I was joined by a young man named Jordan. He was quiet and polite and motionless as he sat there. The only time he moved was when I excused myself to go to the cafe car. On my return, I offered him the use of the electrical outlet if he needed to charge his phone. He nodded his appreciation. I sensed that he had something on his mind, and I didn't interrupt his privacy except to go to the bathroom. The Lakeshore Limited makes a 30-minute stop in Albany Rensselaer, which is a scheduled dinner or smoke break. Perhaps it's because delegates to the New York State Assembly ride the train to Albany. I don't know. 
but the station facilities are exceptional. The building is clean, it's impeccably maintained, and it has a nice coffee shop that goes well beyond what its name would suggest. They have made-to-order breakfast, sandwiches, soups, and more. There's also a magazine shop and a post office. I took a turkey sandwich back to the train via the aerial walkway, reflecting on the impressive condition of this station compared to so many. There is a wide spectrum where travel facilities are concerned. I began to journal the events of the past 24 hours and also read until the conductor announced that it was quiet time. I remember passing through Syracuse, searching through the window for a reference point that was familiar. Downtown is south of the Amtrak line, so I didn't really make a connection there. We did, however, pass through the New York State Fairgrounds. The New York State Fair, or the fair as it's known in-state, is one of the great fairs in this country. Most state fairs have at least one decades-long signature tradition, and if you find yourself in Syracuse during the fair, get your butt to the dairy building and get in line for a refreshing glass of milk. You'll need to get a token, but they're only a quarter, making it the best deal on the fairgrounds. Available in white or chocolate, it's a tradition as rich as dairy farming is throughout the state. I was asleep before reaching Rochester and woke up briefly as we passed through Buffalo. The same with Cleveland and the rest of Ohio, until we reached Bryan at the far western end of the state. That's where the conductor announced the opening of the cafe car, which means the opportunity to get coffee. I took my shaving kit, and after refreshing a bit, picked up my standard order of two cups. I returned to my seat and took in the morning views as we rolled across northern Indiana. First Waterloo, where we picked up several Amish passengers, then Elkhart and South Bend. Conversation had developed in the seats directly behind me. I wasn't eavesdropping, but their voices weren't quiet either. There was a GI going home on leave. He was a 92 Golf. That's not a vintage Volkswagen. It's the MOS for an army cook. The GI was talking with a guy who has worked in restaurants and tended bar his whole life, from Alaska to Hawaii, and he was now interviewing for a bar job in Puerto Rico. The GI was going home to see his dog, his dad, and his brother. His dog is a pug. The bartender remarked that he had a pit bull that got sick. I shot her. I just couldn't see someone else doing it. I dug a hole and wrapped her in a Tupac blanket and buried her. But before I did, I gave her a vial of LSD, a six-pack of PBR tall boys, a steak, and a pound of bacon. I sent her out like a queen. Everything was quiet for a while before the GI spoke. I can't wait to see my dog and my dad and my brother. You going to see your mom, too, the bartender asked. I despise my mother, was all he said. The bartender got out and walked to the bathroom. As he came back, he commented, I ain't never seen a Mennonite or Amish dude on a Bluetooth talking business deals and shit. What the hell is that all about? We were out of Indiana now and bending north to go into Chicago. The conductor announced our imminent arrival and informed us that the cafe car would be closed for the duration of the trip. We arrived in Chicago essentially on time at about a quarter past 10 a.m. Hey everybody, this is Daniel, and I want to thank you for spending some of today with Rails and Trails podcast. 
The work of Rails and Trails is to bring you stories based on actual human events that have happened while out across the country traveling on trains and buses. The mission of Rails and Trails is to look for the sacred in these human interactions. So far as possible, the stories are presented in an unvarnished manner. Only first names are used to preserve anonymity. I am guided by the idea that God comes to us in the grit and grain of our daily lives, and I have no doubt completely missed plenty of those visits. The illustrative account in Matthew 25 shows me what this looks like, and it's a text with the capacity to make me shudder. Each person introduced in this podcast is a human being and is due the same dignity as all of us. I am grateful for your interest in the podcast and humbly appreciate all supporters and subscribers. I love hearing from you. If you haven't yet subscribed, I hope you will do so today. Rails and Trails is my creation and is produced by Second Half LLC. Thanks again.